people are the worst. You know this? People are the worst. Um, and what amazing, the amazing thing is that God just gives his best when people show up and are the worst. And it's been like that from the beginning of the story, the scripture tells us. And that's why Jesus came, because people at their worst really need God at his best. And so he came to be a people to help us to find our way forward. We need help finding our way forward. And this is also why we pray. We, we pray, God, would you lead us as we move forward? Today we join our Brazilian neighbors to the south. This is a very significant election day in their life. And so we pray God's grace and wisdom and leadership to show up. We have midterm elections happening in this nation. And so we pray that God's grace would be shed on us and that he would lead us in wisdom and truth. And perhaps in your life, in your family, in your personal life, you, you have some turmoil or some trouble bubbling up and that this would be the day that God could just shed his grace on thee and that we could pray that he would help show us the way forward together. Um, I heard somebody say one time, you know, the smallest package I ever saw, a person all wrapped up in themselves. <laughs> and uh, today we conclude the study of Romans chapter 12, where we are seeing one more time God's pathway to live a life larger than yourself. That's what Romans 12 has all been about. To, to not get tripped up by the world, to not get trapped inside yourself, but find God's way to full freedom and then fulfillment in Christ. And the Romans 12 road to freedom begins with God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Pastor, do you believe in absolutes? Yes, I do. And the ultimate absolute is the living God. Scripture, from whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. So God gives us himself as the fullness of our freedom, and then we respond to him as one worthy of our lives, worthy of our bodies, actually. We offer our bodies as living sacrifice in worship. This is how Romans 12 begins. Our bodies containing all that we are, we now offer to him because he has shown up with all that he is in Christ. And then why do we do it? Well, Paul says because of God's mercies. It's the mercy of God that's motivating. It's not the threat of his judgment. It's his mercies. This is what he says. I, so what are his mercies? Well, that's everything that he has just written to us about in Romans chapter 1 through chapter 11. That's, this is shorthand for mercies is everything God has just expressed in Christ in the gospel that Paul has talked about. He forgives our sins. He frees us by putting our old self to death on the cross. He saves us by the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus Christ that we receive by faith. It's not, he doesn't save us by the law. He doesn't save us by our works or our strength, but by mercy that he has given himself in what the theologians call justification. This is a word that the scripture uses here. This is the forgiveness 
that we experience from the penalty of our sin. I'm so thankful that God justifies, that I am justified. What does that mean? It means I'm got from God's point of view, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Justification. Forgiveness in Christ. And then he fills us with his spirit. Christ rose from the dead that his spirit might come alive in us. And that frees us from the inside out. And that's the word sanctification. The process of life change by transformation, which is where Romans 12 has brought us into the transforming mercy of God in Christ. Through our faith relationship with him, by his spirit once again, we are freed from the power of our sin by the work of God within us. Not by the law, not by our own effort, not by our own self-righteousness, excuse me, but by God's activity in us and then through us. So it truly is, Christianity really is Christ in meity and Christ in unity. That Christ comes alive in who you are. And then as we offer him our bodies, he makes himself known. Not as dead sacrifices, just lame and limp and laying there on the altar. No, we come alive. We sang about it. We were feeling life in the worship of God. As we are empowered through worship to then express his good, pleasing, and acceptable will. That's Romans chapter 1 and 2. Chapters 12, verses 1 and 2. And all of that is fueled by mercy. What is that? God's undeserved favor. God favors you, but not because you deserve it. God's unmerited kindness. God is kind to us, but not because we earn it. God's unconditional favor. God's unconditional love which we receive by faith in Jesus Christ. That's where the whole journey of transformation begins. Have you done that? Then verse 3 picks it up and says, now by God's grace, we start thinking of ourselves with more clarity, sober-minded. That means you see things clearly as they are, but now we're being invited to see ourselves through God's eyes. Not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought, but being transformed, where? From pride to humility. We move from, from fear into faithfulness. I can faithfully take steps forward, but not because I'm afraid. We are being transformed. Verse 3 says, by faith. God has distributed to each of you. So we are in God's grace to experience together his body life. Verses 4 and 5, we're given a group. As God's people, we're welcomed into God's family, Christ's body. God wants us to experience fellowship together. So God groups us in his church where each member belongs to all the others. Church membership, if you've ever wondered Where does that come from and what does it mean? This is the text right here. Church membership means me accepting my place in God's community of faith and love. That I am moving, I'm being transformed from independent to an interdependent life. Instead of being all wrapped up in myself, God is pulling me out into other people, out of isolation, we talked about this one last week, into hospitality, from being defensive to being loving, even my enemies. This is the miracle love of God coming to the fore. 
And so God the potter is shaping the clay because we put our lives on the altar that, to allow him to start pouring himself in and then pouring himself out to a world through us. This is Romans chapter 12. And then we hit Romans 6, verse, uh, 6 and 8. And what we see there is that we're also given gifts of the Spirit. We have different gifts according to the grace. Once again, we don't earn them. God gives them to each one of us. So God gives us his grace, and then he gives us his people as our group to hang with and to grow with, and then he gifts us with spiritual gifts by which we can each make a meaningful contribution to life. It's like every one of God's kids are gifted, and gifted to bring a value add to life through you so that you can have meaningful contribution into the lives of other people. Instead of being all wrapped up in me and in us, you know, in yourself, that you start seeing how your value adding to other people's lives actually causes you to live larger. This is what God wants for you. A transformation from selfishness into servanthood. We already looked at that one. But today from uniformity into unity in diversity. Now, it's a move from uniformity because we're not all the same. This is not cookie-cutter Christianity where everybody is just cut from the same mold and acts the same way, thinks the same way. We're not. We don't come from the same places. We don't think the same way. We're not given the same gifts. God has intentionally decided to give us a diversity of gifts. We have different gifts. Why? We're meant to celebrate our differences. And then this... <laughs> this is amazing because each gift is meant to find its expression in community, in the diversity of community, and build up the unity of the same body. And this is part of the church's testimony to the world. A broken, chaotic world it needs to see how, does, how could it work. And what Paul is saying is, you know, in the body we can show we don't have to see eye to eye on everything in order to walk hand in hand into the future. And those three elements, grace, group, and gift, you add those up and what you will find is your opportunity for growth. And that's transformation by the Spirit of God. And it's all part of finding and fulfilling God's will for your life. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 1 says, verse 2. So, that all brings me to the, these questions, you know. Um, the first question is this, knowing that, that God has given grace, I just got to ask you, have you yet received it? Have you chosen to say, my heart is open, I received the gift of God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and by faith I trust you for my salvation? Then that would be your next step in your transformation journey. If you have not trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, that's where it begins. And then the next step is this, have you experienced connection in the body of Christ, because he wants you to be part of a belonging family where we belong to one another. Are you a church member? 
Have you accepted your place in God's community? Then if you haven't yet, then that's your next step. Have you been baptized? If you haven't yet, then that's your next step. And then take the next step. Then the, here's the third question. Do you know your spiritual gifts? Somebody asked you, just short list, what are your top three? What has God gifted you to do? Then do you know that? Then that might be your next step so that you can make meaningful contribution into another person's life and bring value wherever you go in the body of Christ. That's what we're looking at today. And it's part of your growth in Christ. And it's a part of your growth in God's perfect will for your life. If you want to know what that is, this is connected to that. So your spiritual gifts are part of that growth. And what we'll learn is that no one has all the gifts. Perhaps Jesus Christ himself alone as the giver possesses all the gifts. But none of us do. We don't have all the gifts. But what we discover by that is that we need other people in our lives. We're like uh, parts of the same puzzle. You know, and all the pieces are in the box, and it takes all the pieces to portray the big picture, but we don't get to experience that if you're not connected, and if you don't know where your part fits, and that's what the gifts are to help us to do. Um, and so what, what we're going to do is just list off the gifts, look at them, and then ask the Holy Spirit to help us out here. But by the way, you will find that the New International Life Application Bible, which we recommend around here, will be very helpful in the research, if you'd like to study more about spiritual gifts, there are seven listed here. Now, we've counted possibly up to 24 that are listed in the letters of Peter and Paul from the New Testament first century writings. But we're not told that these are the only gifts that God gives, but we're told that they are core when Paul is writing to Rome, you know, sometimes when, they, when people think about spiritual gifts, then immediately they kick into miracles and healing and tongues and supernatural, out-of-the-ordinary type stuff. Paul doesn't list any of that here. He has seven core gifts. Now, why seven? Well, maybe Paul was thinking that they would be a symbolic listing. You know, the number seven in the Bible is the number of perfection or the number of completion. Maybe Paul was intending us to understand that these are representative of the complete giftings of God. We don't know, but that could be. Maybe he gave them as a symbolic list of like the core essentials that are required for building unity in a body of diversity. That kind of makes sense because that's the context that he's talking about. These are essentials in helping bind the body together and then build the body up. All of these gifts find meaning in body life. So I might think about that. Manifesting the church's unity in the midst of diversity. The gifts are different, but all of them serve to strengthen the unity of the fellowship in the same body. Here's, let's listen to what Paul wrote. Romans 12, verse 6. We have different gifts. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. Seven gifts listed. Prophesy, serve, teach, encourage, give, lead, and mercy. 
So if we take a closer look, let's just unpack prophecy for a second. Bible scholars agree that the word prophecy here is not talking about foretelling the future. It's talking about telling forth God's truth. It's about giving voice to the truth that he has given us in Christ. It's the gift of preaching. This is communicating God's truth, bringing God's truth, the truth of God's word to life in a way that moves us to act upon it. So if you have the gift of prophesying, then you're supposed to give careful attention to your faith. Do it in proportion to your faith as your faith is built up. Now, here's what we know, that God wants every one of his children to share his story as part of their story. Communicate God's story as part of your own. But what Paul is saying, that he gifts some in the body with the ability to voice his truth for other people's benefit in the body. If that's you, then your gift is to keep your faith life strong, alive, vibrant, your spiritual journey vital, your eyes and your ears and your heart and your soul open to what God is saying by his spirit through his word, and then your life abiding in the vine so that God's life can get through your life in this gift, your teaching, your preaching life, so that his life can call other people to theirs. Next gift, serving. This is being energized to meet needs that benefit others. Now, here's what we know. God wants all of his kids to be doing good works and shining a light into a dark world. But, Paul says, he gifts some with the special spirit motivation and the ability to roll up their sleeves and meet people's needs like ministry energizer bunnies. You know anybody like that? And if God has put his batteries of service into your soul, then Paul says, then serve. Serve. Keep serving. It's absolutely essential to the body that you keep serving. This is a multi-purpose, multitasking gift, and it meets ministry needs across the board in different environments. Uh, by the way, if you see this, this very strategic and significant gift, if you see a need and want to fill it immediately, you may have this gift. You prefer, here's the thing, you prefer not just to talk about problems, but instead be the solution to the problem. You don't always talk to anybody about the problem. You just kind of step up and try to solve the problem. Jesus said, here's how significant this gift is. He said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Next gift, teaching. Impart knowledge that causes others to learn. Now, this gift is right at the heart of discipleship. We're to make disciples. We're to be disciples. Well, disciple means learner. And learners benefit from teachers. <laughs> so, at every age and stage of life, this gift is core to developing and growing in Christ to equipping God's people and helping us grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, as Peter writes in his letter. So from the youngest among us to the most senior, you know what? You're never too young or too old to learn. But in order to learn, that means teachers are always needed within the body. Does that make sense? And so, if your gift is teaching, then he says, teach. 
Don't let the dust gather on your books. You don't, don't keep it all to yourself. As you have insight, then step up and teach. Keep your Bible open, stay current, keep your mind fresh, keep your skills sharp. And as you teach, don't just teach the Bible. Teach people the Bible. See, teachers know that it's not just about transferring information. It's trying to make a connection for transformation. And so you try to say it where people can listen and respond and learn. Does that make sense? Teachers are always needed. But we always need teachers as you teach God's truth to be a living mentor, strengthening and multiplying disciples. Next, if your gift is encouraging, Then he says, encourage. Now, wait a minute. Time out just for a second here. Have you noticed how many of these gifts that are strengthened and are developed in the doing of them? Just says, go do it. Do it, do it, do it. You ever, what does that mean? That you don't have to wait till you're perfect to execute on your gift. You don't have to wait till you've got it just right before you start using your gift. You actually grow and improve in the doing of it. You put it into practice, and that's how you build your skill set. You ever heard anybody say this? Anything worth doing is worth doing well. You know? Do it right the first time. You won't have to do it again and again and again. All that, right? You've heard that? And that's true. There's wisdom in that. But listen to this. If anything is worth doing is we're doing poorly, at least at the first. (laughs) You start where you are, and then you figure out how to improve, and then you build on what you've learned, and then you become more effective for more people. So, and here's the real truth right here. Anything we're doing is worth doing. So Paul is saying, hey, do it. If you've got a gift from God, then you don't just keep it in a nice shiny box. He says, open it up, get it out, and go do it. If your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is encouraging, then encourage. If your gift is teaching, then teach. But do something. Don't just sit there with your gift. Speaking of encourager, here it is. You know what that gift does? It just just comes alongside and calls us up, 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 up. This is the cheerleader and the motivator gift. It's so significant that you vocalize your lift that you live out of so that others can rise on the life in your voice. Life and death are in the tongue, Scripture says, and this gift provides lift for the body of Christ. And if you've got the gift of encouragement, you probably go into a situation, into a room, and you say, why isn't anybody, like, cheering anybody up here? I mean, isn't this what Christians are supposed to do? We're supposed to encourage one another. Why am I the only one doing the encouragement here? Well, it may be because you've got the special gift. God wants all of his children to encourage one another. This is true. But he gifts some among us with a special spirit ability to just come alongside and ignite the fuel in your rocket. It's like this is this soul gets to be lifted. And here's what the gift of encouragement knows. You don't need a crowd to be effective. You just need one person with potential that needs to be motivated. And this gift can come alongside one or many and, don't, and just breathe new life and new hope into a situation. Don't we need that in the marathon run of our lives to have this gift active in us? Paul says, so if your gift is encouragement, man, get after it. 
to have somebody whispering in your group or speaking in your ear or speaking to your heart, you know, I'm in your corner. You can do this. You got this. You're not alone. You're going to make it. (laughs) You can do it. This is that gift, cheering us on. Next gift, giving, contributing to the needs of others. Then he says, if that's your gift, give generously. Now, time out. We know God wants all of his children to experience the joy of faith-filled generosity, of giving, the effective stewardship of your time, your talent, your treasure, resources by which God would build your life and expand his kingdom. But did you know God gifts some uniquely with the ability to plant, cultivate, and harvest such success that they then can become a fountainhead that resources others in the doing of God's will. That's what this gift is. Jesus said this about it. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This reminds me of this story I heard about a little boy that was in a candy shop, speaking of candy, Ryan. And uh, the owner of the shop, he was watching, looking at, him, looking at the jars full of candy. He said, you know, you can have a handful. And the little guy didn't move, didn't do anything. He said, no, you can have a handful. And the little guy said, could it be your hand? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> his hand. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? That might be what's going on here. Jesus said, you know, what gets measured to you? Are you concerned about what's getting measured to you? I'm just wondering, whose hand are you using? Because Jesus said that it will be based on what you measure out. That's what's going to get measured back to you. So what if we were to say, oh, God, use your hand and then open my hand and let's see what God could do cascading down. But if this is your gift, then do it generously. Trust the big hand. And then the next gift, leading, presiding over, and by example, model the way forward. Now, here's the thing. God wants all of his children to to know how to lead well. And you're saying, but I'm not a leader. And here's what I got to say to you. God says he wants you to lead your own life well. Start there. Who's going to lead your life if you're not? Somebody's going to try. So how can you lead your life well? How can you lead your family well? And we offer skill training at Christ's Journey for leadership by example so that mentors can then multiply in the lives of others. But God gifts some with the spiritual gift of leadership that just knows how to help the church body keep moving forward together in doing God's will. And I'm thinking, has there ever been a day when quality leadership is needed like today? And if this is your gift of leadership, what the body needs of you is to step into it and do it diligently, govern diligently, show fully up on the field of play. You know, don't don't just sit back and watch and say, why don't they see this? I mean, it's plain as day to me. 
Why don't they do this? Why don't they, why don't they bring this in? Why, and so you don't just critique what's happening from the couch quarterback point of view. Get in the game. Help God's team. If you're seeing things that you know could help, then why don't let just bring them forward so we can get the eyes helping us see where we're going. That's this gift. Do it well in a timely and earnest way. Lead with integrity that can be trusted. That, what is that? It means do the right thing. Govern diligently. Do the right thing in the right way at the right time for the right reason. We need leaders who will keep learning how to do that. And then the last gift is mercy. The God-given ability to connect with compassion that consoles during affliction. We got so much hurt, so much heartache, so much trouble, so much turmoil, so much anguish in the world. Now, and God wants all of his children to be there for one another so that in the group we love one another, we care for one another, we pray for one another. And like Paul writes in Ephesians, he says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We're all supposed to be doing that. But then he says, but you know, God gifts some in the body with the Holy Spirit's special gift to offer empathy, patience, comfort, kindness over the long haul to help us in the times of our anguish and our disappointment and our loss. If this is your gift, then we need you today, don't we? Last on the list, but not first in our hearts. When you're the one in anguish, this is the gift that matters. Somebody cares, somebody who, lets, who meets you there, who will let you be who you are. When we've got hurt and anguish and disappointment and loss, this is a time we need somebody to show up with God's unconditional kindness. That's this gift to really help. But when this is your gift, you gotta guard your emotional health. Paul says, those who offer mercy need to do it cheerfully. That doesn't just mean, hey, put on a happy face and act like everything's great. No, it goes into the heart of your soul. Mercy gifts call people to help bear some of the heaviest loads that anybody ever goes through in life and to be there for others when it's usually the worst day they've ever had. And yet this gift shows up and says, I'm here. God has not forsaken you. We're going to make it together. But does it with a lightness that even has cheer in it. Be of good cheer, Jesus said. I've overcome the world. That's this gift. Long-term caregivers can be vulnerable to burnout. How do you guard against that? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Mercy gifts, we need your tidings of comfort and joy for the dark times in our souls. So, seven different gifts. The Holy Spirit gifts the body differently. Why? So that we can all feel unity in diversity in our time of opportunity. And I'm thinking these are like, like staples in your kitchen pantry. You know, stuff you always have around so if the family gets hungry, you can whip something, cook something up and bring, bring some nourishment to the body. Like what? Well, flour, sugar, milk, eggs. I mean, what's on your list of stuff that you got to always make sure you got this stuff around? These, these are like 
God's pantry for the kitchen that will feed the family, and he's gifted you with some of these. Or we could say it this way, God has gifted each of us for the benefit of all of us. Would you say that with me? God has gifted each of us for the benefit of all of us. And with that in mind, I'm excited today to share with you that we have a new tool to help you discover what gifts has God possibly given to you. And this afternoon at 2 o'clock, every Christ journeyer is going to be receiving an email to a link that is a spiritual discovery gifts tool that will help you, that you can use, special survey, not lengthy, but it'll be helpful to uh, discover the gifts that God has given you at this time. God, it appears to me that God gives the gifts as it pleases him. That's what scripture says. But he gifts them to you because there's a particular need or season in your life or in the life of the body and that God deals you the hand that he would have you play for facing the challenge at hand. So our father, your father God, gifts you as his child so that you would use the gift that he's given you and find the significant contribution and difference it makes in helping others. Now, today I want to close by asking Raphael and Diana to join me as two who have grown through this within this congregation and um, as two servant leaders of God from our Kindle campus. And um, I want you to acknowledge them with me. We love you guys. Hope you feel that. But here's the thing. Over COVID, you know, when we were distancing, they had completed all the responsibilities and requirements to empower us, to authorize them to have a license to ministry for the church body. But we didn't get to, pre- we didn't get to present them because we weren't together. Well, guess what? We're together. This is a perfect moment. You guys are living examples of what I've been talking about here. So that's why I want today to say, Raphael and Gia, we hereby license you to the gospel ministry to exercise your God-given gifts, demonstrating the love of Christ, serving the church, and ministering to human need as directed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you, brother. Yeah, man. Amen. Amen. Look at the difference your gifts make. God bless you, brother. Now, we have heard some of Diane, I mean, uh, Ralph's story before, but this may be the first time that you've been up here with me. Mm-hmm. And I want us to hear a little bit of your story. Much more about it later, and we're going to get to that. But today, for this purpose, especially Diana, I have here your license as well. But uh, when we were first considering this, you said to me, um, I thought I was not enough to be used by God. Would you tell me why would you say such a thing like that? Um, well, to begin with, I was 20, in my 20s, let's leave it at that. In my early 20s, um, I had just come out of a divorce. My first husband had left because of infidelity. I was suddenly a single mom uh, to my beautiful daughter, Hope, who is here today. And um, I just thought I was too broken. Um, I had too many things going on. I was too tired. 
uh, too short on time. And I was scared to, I had a lot of fear that I would disappoint God um, if I stepped out to serve. Hmm. And yet, somehow you did. How did that, the next thing you said was, you know, God surprised me in the midst of that fear, first by a volunteer invitation. Yeah, I was sitting at church on a Sunday like this, and I had dropped off Hope at um, the preschool. And some, in the middle of the sermon, uh, the preschool director just snuck up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder and said they were short in preschool if I would be willing to step in and serve. And she said, just for today, which is <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a recurring theme in all of my careers, just one day and nothing else. And uh, so I said yes, but I was afraid. Um, you know, again, one thing is to read the scriptures. Another thing is to embark on teaching them. And I was just, I, I just was unsure of myself. But I was willing to say yes. And uh, I was surprised at how much he pursued me, didn't let me go for all these years. I've been in ministry now. I'm not going to do the math because then you guys will do the math. But it's been a while, a long time. And uh, he's continued to pursue me and open doors and push me into different areas, and including this step. And so I'm just thankful that he pursued me, and I'm thankful that I had a willing heart to do the things um, of the kingdom and to say yes to Jesus because he's blessed me the whole way through. I think that God has an affinity to expand the boundaries of the people who are willing to be stretched by him, and he certainly has stretched me um, and taken me to places I could not have expected. Amen. that I'm thankful for. So one of the learnings, I mean, we've all been blessed by Diana, whether or not you knew that she, her heart and hands were involved in it, you've all been blessed by her and her service here. Um, but what I heard you just saying is that it, it wasn't just about doing a task, though you were invited to step in at one point and help, but that what has happened to you is being stretched and enlarged and discovering things, oops, excuse me, that um, perhaps at first, you weren't that confident about. He's certainly grown me in my faith. He's grown me in my ministry um, and my confidence in knowing that in Jesus I'm more than enough, um, that it's through him and not through me. So there's nothing to fear. You just need to be open, say yes, step forward, and he's going to do the work in you, and he's going to equip those that he calls. I know he's done that for me, and he'll do that for you. So well, it gives me a, great pleasure on behalf of Christ's Journey today. There's a shameless plug. Guest to services needs volunteers. So say yes today. <laughs> Just for today. I was about to say, you know, you've got a little more confidence today. But. Just a tad. <laughs> it's Jesus, not amen, me. Amen, amen. He told me to say it. Amen. Then, if he told her to say it, then somebody here needs to pay attention. Amen. Say, it, Amen. say it again. Say it again. Jesus says to sign up for guest services or any type of serving in the church, but I'm here today taking names. Well, we are licensing you, Diana, in the gospel ministry to exercise your God-given gifts to demonstrate the love of Christ, serving the church, ministering to human need as the Holy Spirit directs you. God bless you, sister. Thank you.
Okay, I got to say this. Um, maybe some of the things Diana said were keeping her from stepping up and stepping out. Sound familiar to somebody here? Maybe you. Oh, I'm too young. I'm too old. I've already done my time. I've already, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the training. I don't have the money. I don't have the education. I can't do that. My life is too broken. My history is too complicated. My relationships have too much drama in them. I got, I just need to receive for a while. I don't know if anybody's ever thought that. But when you listen to the tap of God, he kind of pulls you out of yourself. Because see, all that other stuff is about who? Are you all wrapped up in yourself? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, it sounds to me like you're kind of smallest package I ever saw. And Jesus is saying this, I'd like to show you how to live larger than you. And this is how he does it. He says, God has given you a gift. And it's time for you to step out and step up and show up and let God show you the difference it can make. This isn't about tasks at church, doing chores for the church. No, here's what God's thinking. You don't see the potential in you that I do. And I wanna show you how my spirit can enlarge your life and make a difference in somebody else's that will never end. What is he saying to you? Is this your day to receive Christ, receive the gift, get on the transformational journey? Then say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, and fill me so that I won't miss it. Is this your day to say, you know, I've been coasting through here and I've been like connecting, sort of. I've been feeding, actually, is what I've been doing. Feeding is good. We need to feed. That's why God gives us gifts in the body but connecting is better. He said, you need to belong. So if that's your step, then that's today. You're saying, I, I need to become a member of the body. I need to step into where God has me placed in the body. Be baptized. Go to startup. That's our introduction to the church family. Or maybe brother, sister, God is saying, you know, I've given you a gift. And when you open that survey and you discover the many gifts, I bet you have more than one. Then he's going to say, can I show you how valuable I have made you to be in the lives of my church? Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your word, for the ability to speak truth. We pray now that your spirit would Speak to your daughters and sons about their next steps to take in the journey. We thank you for how Ralph and Diana have modeled that for us. We thank you more that you are calling somebody else today, several somebody else's today, to discover the joy of being gifted by God, to be a gift to his church. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, as you lead us now. Now, if this is your day to begin your spiritual journey, it can start with a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I believe you love me. 
I believe you died on the cross for me. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit as you rose from the dead. Rise in me. And now lead me as I learn to follow you. And if you just prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand wherever you are? And I'll try to call out the, when I see, right, God bless you, down right on the aisle to my right in the center. Amen. And right down here toward the front on the right, God bless you. Anyone else? Lord, for every person who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open to you, for those joining us online who just prayed that prayer with me, may your blessing of peace and joy be theirs as they take the next step as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.